welcome to Oakham Bros. This is Eric. And I am Michael. Today we have on Tristan Haggard. Tristan is a YouTuber. He's a trailblazer, a real-life community builder. With his wife, he helps run Primal Edge Health, which focuses on keto, carnivore, and natural lifestyle living. And Thank absolutely on. hammering the vegan and globalist community. And we are so thrilled to have you on, Tristan. Thank you. Gentlemen, yeah, it's an honor to be here. I really appreciate you guys contacting me. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great to connect. Huge fans of your content. So like you- I have to this, know. Yeah, 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 I, I, I have to know. Like very you're living that. like a fantasy of mine that I don't know if I would ever have the guts or the balls to actually pull off. But like you were- you were in California. I don't know whether it was like LA or or wherever, but like you were in California and then you moved to Ecuador. Like how, how did you do that? How did you come come up with did that? Did you get the balls to, to move to Ecuador? Yeah. yeah, I mean it's kind of a it, it's a funny story to tell because there's so much I don't know, it was we were at a major junction in our lives at a major crossroads when i say we i mean my wife jessica and i like we both finished university uh graduated from one of the most uh overtly like liberal universities in the world university of california santa cruz and it was 2009 2008 no 2009 i think 2008 2009 was when we finished uh at the university and we were kind of at a crossroads like are we going to go for more education i was thinking about becoming either a naturopath or a chiropractor uh, Jessica was looking at a similar career path. We were both, we had both become interested in health in the idea of using diet and lifestyle to achieve better performance as far as health goes, not from a place of like, uh, athleticism for me, but more of coming from a place of, uh, a health deficit, right? Just, you know, chronic illness growing up, asthma, allergies. Um, and we decided instead of going back to school that we were going to do something else. Uh, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't like the idea of going into debt for the next ten to thirty years in order to uh, pay the university system that I was very disillusioned with. Uh, that I had experienced a lot of just um, uh, just a lot of disappointing encounters with professors who had shown themselves to be complete ideologues and. Um, essentially just intellectually castrated uh, uh, whores for the UC system. Like the UC Regents is so notoriously corrupt. The amount of you know pharmaceutical money, big tech money that flows through the university system keeps it within these ideological confines of the climate crisis is going to destroy us all. You know, I remember back in 2009, we had the, um, there was this, the IPCC scandal, the International Panel on Climate Change at the UN had this climate gate scandal where it was revealed through internal documents that they were for, uh, falsifying data and essentially lying to the people of the planet, the people of the world in order to freak us out about so-called global warming, climate change is what it's been pivoted to now. Uh, so that was going on. I saw no recognition among the uh, university staff and the biology department. Uh, in fact, it was quite the opposite. Bringing that up would result in scoffing and mocking from these supposedly, um, you know, enlightened sages of science at the university system. So I, I didn't find it very scientific at all. And it turned out to uh, it looked to me like we were looking at a, um, a just revolutionary institution that was destroying the minds of the generation that, uh, that just happens to be going through the university meat grinder at the moment. So I mean, just seeing like all the gender studies stuff and um, 
a lot of this stuff was really picking up steam in like the mid 2000s, 2005, 2006, 7, 8, 9. Obama gets elected to the presidency and the area I lived in, the people were crying in the streets. There was a parade and it was, just, it seemed so weird to me. Everything seemed so strange. Where did you, go, that, where were you living at that time? I was living in Santa Cruz, California at that time. So that's, Santa Cruz that's is, Southern, Southern or Northern California. It's like middle. It's, you know, it's not as nor it's South. It's an hour South of San Francisco, right? okay. about an hour and 15 minutes, depending on traffic, uh, South of San Francisco. Uh, it's like at the Southern tip of Silicon Valley. Right. right? So but, uh, Santa Cruz, Monterey Bay. Why Ecuador though? Like why not Nashville or why not like Austin? Like why would yeah, you, you yeah, go yeah. all the way south? <laughs> all right. So well, at the, I'm trying to give it like a little bit of context as far oh, yeah, no, as, you know, please, the, the election ahead. of the, the election of Obama. Right. And then you had, uh, we were, I was kind of into the idea of libertarianism at the time. So we were involved in, we were trying to get Ron Paul on the ballot. And this was, it was kind of a similar time. 2008 uh, was, 2008 to 2010, not very dissimilar to like 2016, but inverted in some ways. Like 2008 election really brought in a lot of this, like the media started pumping a lot of the race war, like stir the pot type narrative. You saw a lot of like, oh, if you don't like Obama, then you're a racist. I started, I know we started seeing this stuff and it was just obvious the direction it was going. We became involved in pushing for Ron Paul to get on the uh, the Republican ticket, realized that not only, you know, it was obvious that the Democratic Party was incredibly corrupt, the Republican Party also, but I mean, we just saw at the ground level in Santa Cruz County how corrupt local politics were as far as, uh, you know, trying to get some friends elected to city council. Um, we just saw how fake and how influenced the, uh, the entire system was. We came to the conclusion that America was not worth fighting for the ideas yeah. of the liberal democracy. I just, it didn't seem like I wanted to stick around. I didn't want to, I didn't see a bright future in staying and in, uh, digging in our heels in the sand and trying to fight for the ideals of, uh, America that, uh, we didn't necessarily agree with fundamentally at that point. So it was kind of a, a crumbling of my whole, um, reality in certain ways right like i just yeah. i didn't want we didn't we saw where this was going we, we the obamacare thing was being the affordable care act they called it which is essentially a government takeover of all health care and at this point we're looking at it's like, okay so the government's going to have all, the federal government is going to have all our health records knowing that california was taking blood samples from every child born in the 80s and 90s and keeping those dna samples now we have this bloated bureaucracy run by uh you know uh, transnational banks, uh, big banking interests, pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies, solidifying this structure of a monopoly over medical care. And they're also pushing, remember swine flu, the swine flu thing was happening at the same time. So it was just looking like every, it was looking like the things that we see right now happening. I thought this was going to be 2012. I thought we would see this eight years ago, kind of, right. it, it ramped up slower, slowly, but, um, yeah, it was essentially. I didn't feel like uh, being in this battle, and it didn't seem like it was. You're not. Fruitful. You're not surprised as how the pandemic went, so to speak. No, not at all. I thought this was going to be 2010 because they started. Remember the swine flu thing? They were talking about this back right. then, pushing right. the idea of, well, should these be mandatory? Are your children? There, I remember CNN um, uh, reporters. There was this like 2010 CNN. Um, piece about should your children belong to the state like your children don't belong to you they actually belong to the collective and to the state therefore if your children are not going to follow the um, uh, health, happy healthy injection schedule that's recommended by big pharma and insurance companies then uh, maybe the state should take them away from you so this stuff was already being talked about 
10 years ago. Um, and I don't know, I, I didn't think it would, it was hard to tell when this stuff would be, would be coming, but it didn't seem like a, uh, a place that I wanted to be. And we ended up visiting Ecuador and I wanted to live in a rural area, right? Like I wanted to live someplace where we would have clean air, clean water, and be able to kind of live a lifestyle where we could produce our own food, not have too much, um, you know, government regulations in the way of uh, doing simple little things like building a chicken coop or something like that. And we came down here and we fell in love with it. We just, the people, the culture at the time was different, right? This was before smartphones. Smartphones came in about six, seven years ago in 2013. So it's been really intense and um, it's changed a lot. But at the time it seemed like a place where it's kind of like going back 50 years in certain regards. Like it just, right. the, the, the cultural zeitgeist hadn't advanced as far here. Families were living in, you know, you'd have three generations living in a single home and property and working together and uh, producing their own food. We wanted to be able to produce a significant amount of our own food and be able to source good quality foods locally. And, uh, you know, good animal foods here are really prevalent, especially up in like the Campo, up in the, up in the mountains. There's, uh, there's no such thing as like, you know, industrial feedlot for cattle and stuff here. So a lot of that played into it, clean water, clean air, clean culture. And, uh, we fell in love and we said, you know what, let's do it. Let's make it happen. We had no idea how long we would be here. We ended up getting a six month visa. Don't um, come back. Don't come back. <laughs> well, please. I came back one time to oh, visit family. <laughs> when Jessica was pregnant, we came back to visit family and to tie up some loose ends back in like 2011. But I haven't been in the U I haven't stepped foot in the U S since 2011. I can't believe that. But I still get to pay taxes. That's one of the good Wait, things. You still get, yeah, you still get to pay plenty of taxes if you're an expat. Really? Unless you renounce your citizenship, you're paying. Are you going is to that, do that? Is that next? Yeah. Uh, well, it's it gets complicated there because the U.S. passport is pretty valuable as far as uh, the right. ability to move okay. places. I don't see I don't see Ecuador as like some ultimate refuge from all the issues of the world. Like there's no place you're gonna you, there's nowhere you're gonna get away from the issues of globalization, the issues of you know, the cruelty and evil and the greed and jealousy in the human heart. There's no place to get away from that stuff. But for us, we really like it here. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll stick it out here. You know, we'll, we'll fight for our, for our little piece. How did you get, um, I don't know where you are in Ecuador, but how do you have such good internet? Uh, we got five. Well, this, this is the, the beauty of the, uh, of this new order we have now there, even during the pandemic, when everything was shut down, uh, there was a flurry of fiber optic laying throughout the huh. whole country. Yeah, because How do you like the, that. Yeah, oh, you know, I mean, it's it's convenient for me, but knowing knowing the bigger picture of kind of where this is going towards, as far as the push for digital education, like they shut down the school system uh, here in Ecuador, and it's all digital now. So they want all the kids on. They want every child to have a phone and a surveillance device. Uh, right, wow. right, right there on them. So yeah, that's what it's moving toward. The fiber optic network, it works, it's useful, it's nice for me, but knowing the long-term plan of digitizing everything and you know, the, the world, the great reset as world economic forum calls it now it's, um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a two sided sword. We just interviewed Ivor Cummins and mm. literally the same thing that you just said, the great reset. Yeah. And it, it's not that it's hidden. It's in plain, it's in plain sight. It's the thing. Well, we've been talking about this for a few years now, and suddenly it's uh, it's out in the open, right? Those things that we were saying were things I was telling my family were going to happen 10, 12 years ago, right? And some of my friends and family are like, no, that's that's nonsense. That's crazy. That's that's There's no way that happened. A lot of these same people are now, oh, yeah, no, we need to do that because of the climate crisis and COVID. It's like, 
I, I told you this 12 years ago that you were going to be pushed to pay taxes on your exhalations, taxes on your carbon. You're going to be pushed towards everything being controlled digitally, all digital currency. And you said that's BS, but now 10 years later, it's, oh no, we, we obviously have to do that because there's a virus and, uh, and because the climate's changing. Interesting. <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're prophetic, man. I mean, like, so what's the, I mean, fuck, what's the next five years going to be? If, if this has happened, like, you know, what, cause I like mean, just for your frame of reference, we're, you know, we're capitalists. We, we own a business, a travel business, yeah. nonetheless. And our we own a, we own a global car service. Our parents started a global car service 50 years ago in New York. And yeah. our fa our father passed away three years ago, and Eric and I were brought up into the business, and this is what we do. I'm also a writer. I write books, and I want to mention, shameless plug, this book, Monsterland, is about the end of the world and about how corporations made us all into pigs uh, captured in a theme park. That's that's. I think that's a beautiful. I mean, this is. I've been saying a similar thing. Like they, they want us all to live in Disneyland. They want to create yes. this Disneyland society where you're Bro. just being perpetually masturbated by machines, and your dopamine centers are being hit, and it's yes. just every. It's total control of yes. every aspect of biology. It's not just about like, oh, well, let's, you know, we're going to have to track people. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll start to put RFID chips on livestock. It's no, it's, it's RFID chips on every device you've got. You it's, wonder. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a biological monitoring devices implanted in us with external sensors to send information constantly to insurance companies and governments, which will be run by insurance companies and big international finance. And, you know, it's, it, it's not, it's not just about, well, let's get a little bit more control. It's not just about, oh, yeah, maybe we need like a single governing body. No, it's it's global governance over every aspect of life, including the carbon cycle, the water cycle, and what they, they consider us human resources at this point. So I don't think I'm like prophetic in any ways. I just, uh, I mean, a lot of people have been, there have been a lot of great researchers who, uh, you know, who've uh, who pointed me in the right direction over the years. And I think there is, um, there are a lot of people who've been studying this. A lot of people have been asking questions like uh, about this stuff. All of us probably have since we were children, which is why we, uh, why we so, um, why we're not that surprised when we see this stuff. But you, your question of what do we see, what, what's coming for the next five years? Um, if anybody wants to read uh, the this book, the COVID nineteen, the Great Reset by Klaus Schwab, um, Klaus Schwab, the world, uh, the World Economic Forum have laid it out. And it's essentially the closing of all brick and mortar mom and pop stores. It's the reintegration. It's the complete close, the complete shutdown of everything and a, a, a dusting of the former way of life as we know it, including all Western values, says the World Economic Forum. Now, what do they mean by Western values? I don't know. They said Western values will be uh, pushed to the limit, will have been pushed to the limit. And which new values will be brought in? They're not so sure, but Klaus Schwab, who was born in Nazi Germany, uh, who, who is an international technocrat um, kind of middleman for these billionaires who meet at the World Economic Forum in Davos with the heads of state, um, military industrial complex kingpins, with um, uh, international finance, with the insurance companies, and with uh, all these transnational corporations it, at uh, Davos every single year, and they plot out exactly what they have coming and these people are open about it. They want a new, what they call fourth industrial revolution. Fourth industrial revolution is about That's what digitization. That's what Ivor said recently, yeah. the fourth industrial yeah. revolution. 
Please yep. continue, please. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that's what is fourth industrial revolution, which means surveillance and monitoring devices everywhere. The backbone of this internet of things, right? The backbone of the internet of things is of course, uh, is of course the new millimeter wave telecommunication system. Um, the fifth generation telecommunication system. Yeah. Exactly. So this is the backbone of it. This is required for this rollout. And, and there are multiple applications for this uh, fifth generation wireless system that uses millimeter waves. Uh, anybody can look up the many patents for millimeter waves as active denial system weaponry. These were used back in Iraq. Um, this is stuff people were people were talking about this back in 2008, 2009, when the smart meter system started getting rolled out, right? Another reason why we decided, you know what, the US might not be the best place to be. We were seeing the smart meters get rolled out all over Northern California, Southern California, all over. and. Um, and this was being sold to us as part of the new Internet of Things that would be part of this new fourth industrial revolution and that would help usher in what they were calling sustainable development. So this all ties into the UN Sustainability Goals, which uh, there are 17 sustainable development goals, including gender equality, um, uh, financial equity for everybody, equal access to uh, medical care for everybody, right? Inclusion, digital inclusion, meaning everybody's online. Uh, digital currency, right? A, uh, and, and governance of all resources of the flow of all resources. So we're looking at for the next five, 10 years until the next benchmark year, which is 2030, that these technocrats have earmarked for as a, you know, a major epoch, uh, a major kind of a, a technological nexus point in this epoch is 2030. And the goal is a complete overhaul of the way we live, a complete overall of not just the way we live, but the way that we see ourselves <clears throat> and our place in the universe, right? That's the most important thing is programming human beings to accept this, to think that this is normal, that this is a new normal. And uh, this is part of a social engineering campaign that goes far beyond just the World Economic Forum, right? The World Economic Forum was founded recently by Klaus Schwab, <coughs> excuse me, Sorry, Bill Gates. Um, recently, Klaus Schwab started this World Economic Forum, but you see the ideological underpinnings of this and the scaffolding that it's built upon in the writings of guys like Aldous Huxley and his brother Julian Huxley, who helped start UNESCO and also the World Wildlife Fund. Julian Huxley helped to start the World Wildlife Fund. Now, Julian Huxley actually coined the term transhumanism in his book on UNESCO. My friend Jay Dyer did a great episode on YouTube about this, about Julian Huxley's work with UNESCO and the history of this multi-generational eugenics family, the Huxleys. So you could find uh, these writings in, uh, you look at Brave New World Revisited, in which Aldous Huxley says that this is the model that the technocrats want to, uh, to give us for the world. You could listen to the speech that he gave at Berkeley, at UC Berkeley in 1968, where he essentially tells these Berkeley students that, yes, this is what we're doing, and you're all too stupid to understand this, which is why you must submit to it, and ultimately you will all be uh, just completely enslaved by your, uh, by your desires, and you'll get everything you want in this you know, great uh, false utopia that's, that's given you by technocrats. So you've got Julian Huxley, uh, Aldous Huxley, H.G. Wells wrote about this in his nonfiction books. He wrote a book called uh, The New World Order. He wrote another one called The Open Conspiracy. And both of these are about the creation of an international government uh, using a lot of these people are kind of utilitarians, right? A lot, of, a lot, a lot of people say, "Well, look, these are these are fascists or these are communists," but there's no real ideological divide between the two. It's really it's about it's about raw power for these people, and it's about control of resources, and ultimately, in Dude, their ideology, Tristan, it's about 
This, <laughs> my, this book, I'm telling you, it's about the New World Order. I'm, yeah. I'm not joking. And, it, and it's done through a Disneyland type. There are monsters all over the world. And this guy yeah. named Dr. Vincent Conrad gathers up all the monsters and creates a theme park called Monsterland and puts these theme parks all around the country. I don't want to give away the ending, but in the end, he captures the world. He literally captures the world. He he captures yeah. the world and he, he he and 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 the monsters are being used to capture the humans. Everything goes down. The the, the internet, um, the Wi-Fi, everything goes down, and he is running the world because of these you, theme parks. Was it? Did you? Were you said a reference to Joseph Conrad? The name? Um. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Nice. Yeah, I, that that was an interesting. The heart of darkness was. Yes. I read that. It was. I was an English major in college and. I didn't have the, you know, I, my actually my college wasn't as like left as like you know yeah. uh, as California, but um, seeing today I was talking in a, uh, I was talking in a um, uh, Hofstra University wanted me because I'm a writer. I was talking yeah. in this class about publishing and writing and everything, and um, the, there was a, a young girl there. She was 18 years old, and I gave her my journey about being a writer, and you know anyone could be a writer. It was very uplifting and spiritual and positive, and. She she attacked me. I mean, like with two fists. Because like she privilege would, or something. Like yes. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, well, no. Wow. I mean, privilege along the lines of like, you're you're too Hollywood for for us. We're 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 more. You know, it's like, how did my story offend you? The idea that everyone's getting offended today. Do you think yeah. is it is it because of diet? Is it because of social media? Why is everyone so on edge about? <laughs> it's this, this yeah culture? yeah. That's a good question. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a really hard one to answer, right? But I'll give it a shot. Yeah. 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 Well, I, yeah, I, I'd say we, we've been engineered to be this way. And when you look at the way that the school system has been run, you know, the way I was born in 1987, right? So, you know, I went to school in the 90s when I was in seventh grade. Uh, Columbine happened. And um, that was, I remember that was a major turning point. The next major turning point after Columbine was this, uh, September 11th, 2001. Yep. Uh, but this gradual rollout of a nanny state of the idea of being constantly monitored by electronic devices, this was taught to us as children. When I was in elementary school, we didn't have cameras, right? Once I get to middle school, seventh grade, Columbine, well, we got to get security cameras on all these children in every school, right? So that became that. And then it was, well, we're going to have to check some of your backpacks, right? We might have to do random backpack checks to see if people are bringing weapons or drugs in. Then it became seventh, by the end of seventh grade, we had uh, police coming in with drug dogs sniffing us all down like we were criminals. So, so are, are you saying that these, 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 indi these worldwide shifting things that happened columbine or 9-11 or the, the pandemic great the great recession the, the recession yeah. are you mm -hmm. are you saying that these are manufactured or are they just using them i mean they they it could be either way I, th I say with a lot of these with a lot of these uh events it's becomes almost impossible to tell because of the nature of psychological warfare. I mean, it's just, it, it's kind of easy to confuse an enemy by just, you throw out a few fake stories. Uh, you can even stage an event to draw some attention. There's a lot of different ways that you can, you can distract people from, uh, from what you want to distract them from and get them to look in the direction you want them to look in. But I'd say regardless of the, uh, the regardless of the reality of some of these events, regardless of the, questions about some of these events like when you look at at columbine for instance and you do some research into who the psychiatrists were that these boys were going to that were giving them drugs and the connections to uh intelligence agencies the connections to uh really? human experimentation stuff so there there are strange connections but that doesn't mean that 
You know, they, a lot of people that go, it's like, oh, well, everything's fake. You know, the people start to see the deception in the world and then it just be like the reality breaks and then it just becomes, oh, all the world is fake. Everybody's either, you know, everyone's in this great conspiracy against me, but it's a lot, I think it's more of a, uh, these things happen. I think it's, uh, we're looking at less of, Part of it is human machinations and part of it is long-term social engineering human planners. And when you read things like, you know, Klaus Schwab, when you read publications from uh, like, like the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, published this one in 19, what year was this one? Uh, 1972, Population in the American Future, the Report of the Commission on Population Growth in the American Future. This is you know, the Rockefeller Foundation. When you read a lot of these white papers and publications that these uh, organizations have have put out there in the open, uh, you realize, yeah, there are long-term social engineering plans uh, to shift human perception, to shift human consciousness. And I think one of the best examples of this that anybody can pick up, anybody can get this PDF online right now, Stanford Research Institute released a, uh, a publication called the changing images of man, and this was, I think, in '78 or maybe '75 that this was published, um, kind of like exoterically. And but this is Joseph Campbell helped to work on this. And changing images of man was all about how can we shift man's perception of himself and his perception of the cosmos in order to essentially control him, in order to. Uh, to engineer society for peace and, uh, and and freedom, right? So it's always cloaked in this in this talk of uh, you know, like the, the Rockefellers always talked about the free market, right? Oh, the free market, the free market. Well, the free market to them was monopoly, uh, gangster cronyism. So um, they, these these people they use these ideologies in a pragmatic way as a utilitarian way to get what they want. So I think a lot of these events could be uh, manipulated, could be staged, could be this. That doesn't really matter. Though what's important is what they're used to justify, and they've been used to justify more surveillance, surveillance of each other, surveillance of each other's thoughts. Right? Like I remember uh, another one of these uh, things that happened with. Uh, this new surveillance state in the nanny state around the time when I was in seventh, eighth grade is the idea of the potential mass shooter, right? right? Like any child, like if there's a kid at school and he's wearing, hey, if, if he wears black clothes and listens to insane clown posse, he's probably, he's probably going to blow something up one day. He's probably going to, you know, freak out and try to kill a bunch of kids. It was this idea of pre-crime started coming around and the idea of like, peer mentors and stuff. They started introducing this stupid stuff when I was in uh, middle school too. Like you get in an argument with somebody and then you you go to the peer mentors and it's just like a group of your peers and they try to act like counselors. And it was just, we just make a mockery of it and, and make up fake grievances and go to the peer mentors and like do theater for them and stuff. But they, these ideas of like all of us uh, watching what each other are thinking, watching each other's behavior and, and the snitch society it got taught to my generation in the schools, and that was a major, uh, major part of it. And of course, you have mass media as well, and um, and you know the dissemination of imagery and trauma through mass media is another one of these tools for breaking us down. Do you believe in the afterlife? Do you believe in spirituality yeah. afterlife? You do believe in the afterlife, absolutely. So I believe that this is not just a physical battery. It's not, I'm sorry, I was trying to. I'm all over the place. I was trying to get to this point earlier. I don't think it's just. Like, I apologize you know, if I if I kind of messed you up there. If you want to continue, oh no, I'm point, just. But I'm just spouting out, man. I'm like a, I'm like a, like a high pressure, uh, high pressure four inch pipe that just has a few leaks and it just goes everywhere. Um, so yeah, I'll land this one. Um, 
it's not just human machinations. It's not just Machiavellian um, human desire for power. I, it goes beyond this into the spiritual realm. And I think what we're looking at is a, uh, it's, it's a spiritual battle. And that's why it almost be, it become people start looking at this stuff and a lot of people start going nuts. Like when they first come in contact with the idea of like, oh, maybe some of these things I've been told were a lie. They start looking at like, I don't know, JFK assassination or something like that. And that right. leads them down this thing. And then it becomes like, oh, well, and everything is fake. You know, right. everything must be a lie. And it, it can kind of lead people in a psychological breakdown. Do you know but when, think, do you know when I realized that? I apologize for interrupting. I love listening yeah. to you talk, but I realized exactly what you just said with diet. Mm -hmm. We were told to eat low fat. We followed the food pyramid. My mother, yeah. our mother got, got thyroid cancer. Our, our father got lung cancer from smoking, whatever. I mean, that's, you know, that's not really food stuff. But when Eric and I found keto and we found keto eight years ago, Eric lost a hundred pounds. I lost 50. What? We kept, yeah, yeah, dude, <laughs> that, that's us. I saw this picture before, dude, a hundred pounds. That's crazy. You yeah, guys look like yeah. twins there. That's funny. You that, guys, yeah. You're, you're I, got, I got five years on the kid. I'm 42. Eric is, uh. 37. Eric, Eric had a rough childhood. Sorry, you know, no, <laughs> he did. It's the truth. <laughs> but the idea that, like, you know, you know, like in 20, we, I, in, but I said, like, I'm sorry, Eric, but like science always said, eat whole wheat bread, right? Yeah. Science always said, eat the vegetables. And I was, and I was asthmatic, and I had sinus infections, and I was yes, sick, and I got too, fatty liver. I didn't eat McDonald's. I, right. I, I didn't drink Coca Cola growing up. Like, I was eating pasta with vegetables and 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 turkey because it was low fat and this and i was sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker yes. until i found yeah. keto so the establishment i feel got it wrong with food with ansel keats yeah. listen we we want to i want to hear from vegans i want to hear from vegetarians i want to hear from carnivores i want to hear from keto we are the, the path that eric and i followed we're not pro propagating this to our our listeners but what worked for eric and us eric and i may not work for other people I found that we, but it might work for a lot of other people too. That's <laughs> very true. That's true. very true. But like I, fi I figured we were lied to about yes. food and it started with that, with food that, mm. that, you know, whole wheat bread science told us to eat it because it's low fat and there's low cholesterol. Well, the cholesterol like kind of helped us. So right? that, that brings yeah. me to primal edge health. Yeah. And is that your business? Is that your company that, that yeah. you yeah, it will be. That's the, that's the name of our website. Um, is the name of our, my YouTube channel as well. However much longer that's allowed to stay up, but that's uh, yeah, that's a uh, that well, what came is, what about. What does that mean? Hold on. Yeah, what, what, is, yeah, what, yeah. Is, what does that mean? What was that bomb you just dropped on us, Tristan? Well, I know just like YouTube is just. It seems like there's a massive purge going on right now, and really, I, uh, my channel's been yeah. <laughs> like YouTube's uh, there, there's another round of. It's going to be get more intense with the election too. Um, I'm not like an overtly political channel, but I think anybody that uh, there there are certain. Uh, there's parts of the internet that are being cleansed right now of certain influences. And I think, uh, you know, YouTube has been pretty obviously pushing pretty hard against, um, and it's not just my channel, a lot of channels in the same niche as mine that hit on similar topics have been hit with kind of what you call shadow banning type things where I get my audience telling me, I get people telling me that they've been unsubscribed five, six times from my channel and had to keep resubscribing. Really? Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They try to watch my videos and it just buffers forever and it's impossible to watch it unless they like pull up Firefox in a private window and this, I don't know exactly what the mechanism of all these uh, things are, but it seems like there's some, uh, some major manipulation going on and our, our, our channel's growth has been stopped since 2019 and like September. Uh, we hit 130,000 subs and there was just seemed like there was some sort of a ad apocalypse. I think it was about the same time where there was another purge and we just stopped getting uh, recommended in the algorithm. I think it was like a 60% drop in video recommendations by YouTube. 
So um, yeah, they've kind of shelved some of the channels and uh, I'm, I'm concerned for, you know, just getting fully deplatformed from YouTube. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop, you know, Creating and putting content. out content yeah it's like until until it happens i'll just uh i'll keep pushing forward but yeah it does it seems inevitable for a lot of our channels you know, that's, maybe that's like that's disheartening because like we're trying to build an audience on youtube you know that's right. that's what we're trying to don't do stop now. trying don't stop no, no, trying. no no we're not we're not it's just i guess it's really anything listen our business was destroyed due covid there's there are certain things that you have to kind of figure out a way around yeah you know what we we yeah. want to interview people i want to i mean i was so thrilled to, we got you on the show um but i don't want to alienate youtube i mean this is um we had on uh also frank tofano i know that you guys yeah. had you have your spats but frank's a local new york guy i yeah. find his stuff entertaining and i said frankie come on i'd love to hear your story and yeah. he said that he goes it, he stopped he hit a hundred thousand subs and he's yeah, not yeah, yeah. yeah you not see it's like it's a lot of people in the, the people have told me like uh um other channels around a show and sean baker for instance sean baker can't even do uh you can't do instagram live anymore they just took away like it just took the button away from him so now he can't go live on instagram i couldn't go live on instagram for months it would just cut off after like three minutes of me being live and it would just keep cutting out like that so there's why there's why why is this well, I mean, there, there's a lot of speculation and it's going to be all speculation essentially, but YouTube doesn't have to tell anybody why they just, their terms of service basically allow them to remove anybody for any reason. And it's, it's a really important time right now, uh, as far as social engineering goes, they want to shut down any opposition voices, um, to these, these bigger agendas and those bigger agendas are fourth industrial revolution, global governance and the, the bringing about of, um, you know, global carbon taxes and, um, a technocracy globally that will be tracking and tracing everything we do. So it's about controlling the dialogue so and it doesn't there... matter. It's not like I'm important or something. It's not like I'm like, like I'm the, Oh, I have this, I have the magic words. And if I say them and people hear them, it's like the world's going to be healed and they're just keeping me down because I'm so, no, it's not like that. It's just, it's algorithmically determined. You know, it's like you could have, you could have uh, a mechanism for an algorithm that will crawl all YouTube channels and look for certain keywords um, certain topics, uh, they make influence maps where it's like, oh, you talk to this person who talked to this person who talked to this person. Therefore you're literally Hitler. You know, it's, they, there's wow. things that they've done as far as, um, uh, the whole SJW censorship culture that have reached into the internals of these social media companies. And I think we're seeing like with, uh, uh, the hearings at the Senate, the Senate hearings yesterday or the day before, which were just, I don't know, kind of dog and pony show, but you do see the, um, the recognition that these big tech companies have huge power. They have massive amounts of power. So, so your, um, your growth was exponential and then it basically stopped. So are you still getting yeah. subscribers or is it no. not, you're not, no, it's negative every month. They remove every subscriber wow. that subscribes, they'll remove like three. So we get like negative 600 subscribers a month, but before we were getting two to 3000 new subscribers every month throughout the year, 2019, massive growth. Um, and then it, and it just kaput. So is there it. anything that you can do about that? Or uh, you... cut my wiener off maybe. <laughs> no, <laughs> so maybe if I call, come out as Tristina and, uh, <laughs> come at, Tristina, the vegan, I don't know. I just, uh, are vegans, I, hold on. So are vegans experiencing that too? Health, health. I think health channels in general are being hit. I think it's, okay. uh, it's across the health niche and, uh, but there are certain 
All right, so there are there. Are, Google is heavily invested in plant-based meat and uh, fake meat and lab-grown meat. Uh, Alphabet, the parent company of Google, is uh, also a member, along with Google and YouTube, of the World Business Council for Sustainable Development that are pushing for planetary dietary guidelines that exclude meat. So. You know, I have been talking about these things for a long time and pushing against the investors of, you know, the, the people who own the platform that I'm putting content out on are investing in the opposition that wants to destroy my way of life and, and ban my way of life. So that that could have something to do with it. Um, but mm-hmm. it's all just speculation, really. Right. All I can do is just roll with it and keep, you know, I got to get the links out there so I can get some reach by getting the links out on uh, Instagram. And if people like and share that can get the stuff out there. But, um, are you on yeah, TikTok? It's just, TikTok? No, no, I refuse. I, I haven't downloaded TikTok. You won't, you know, it. no, you, they'll, they'll, they'll eat up your content. Don't do it to consume, yeah. do it to distribute. It's, I just don't like the, I don't know. This, this surveillance stuff freaks me out, man. I know TikTok is, it's a sketchy one, but you get to like dance and stuff, right? But it's not even about that. It's, you know, it, it, your, your lifestyle, mm. I think people would really dig. And because it is interesting because like, it's, you know, it's, it's what I, it's what I've dreamed of doing, but I mm. don't have the balls to do it where like TikTok would just try it. Can, can so, you stop yeah. the surveillance though, Tristan? I mean, you're in Ecuador. Do you feel that like, I mean, do you have an iPhone? Do you have an Android phone or do you like, yeah, do yeah you I just sm- keep them off. Do you do smokestacks? You know, like to communicate. <laughs> Bring yeah, no, more it's like mail. I, I'm not. It's not like I'm. Uh, oh, the, I, I hate this argument. Oh, if you got nothing to hide, if you got nothing to hide. Oh, I wasn't asking um, that. I wasn't asking. No, that. no, I know, I know, yeah. I know. You're not. I'm just like yeah. you know the conversation you have with like you start to talk with about you know well hey you know all these phones can monitor everything you're doing, including a lot of the new ones, your vital signs, the ones with LiDAR can 3D map your entire environment. The iPhone 12, all these new iPads are going to have LiDAR enabled. I've got friends in Silicon Valley that are working on these types of things and they show me the videos of these cars that, that are doing LiDAR, um, these things you drive around. They got this little beacon in the back of it. It's LiDAR. They've got this other one that's like radar and they're 3D mapping everything with this stuff. So I mean, these things are, these things are everywhere. It's ubiquitous. Um, I don't think that you can get away from the surveillance, but you, you damn sure I'm damn sure to be covering up any, uh, cameras in any rooms, right? Because you don't know who's popping through those cameras and looking at your kids. You don't know who's popping through those cameras and checking out what you and your wife are doing and your downtime. These things are all hackable. Uh, it, just a simple look at the Hunter Biden laptop stuff. Uh, when you look at uh, some of these photos that are disgusting, and uh, I, would say, I would suggest not looking at these photos of Hunter Biden, but the strange thing is when you look at them, it shows the interface of the Apple phone as if he is in the camera program but isn't recording and isn't taking pictures. When you take wow. a picture, it doesn't show the little dot at the bottom with the right. options on like right. – so. This seems like this may have been taken using some sort of a screen recording technology and a backdoor into his devices. Maybe he was, you know, doing a Skype call with somebody, and then you have somebody recording you know this for blackmail purposes. I, I, uh, that's definitely happens because like there'll be certain days where I'll use my phone all day and my battery will be at seventy five percent at the end of the day, and then there'll be days where I'm not using my phone and by noon it'll be at nineteen percent. That's strange. So. 
add that so, up. So, I'm, so then I'm going to ask the question. So what the fuck mm -hmm. do we have to worry about, right? So like yeah. I, I pay my taxes. I'm making I'm making ground chicken tonight for my wife with some bacon and sausage right. on the side. Like, so like, right. well, I mean, you know. Who cares, right? I'm, like, yeah, I'm right. not doing anything illegal. I, like, I have I have selfie pics in my phone of me uh, on my weight loss journey. So if someone's yeah. going to hack my phone, they're going to see my big, fat, fucking hairy body <laughs> looking, you know, like, so like that, you know, I took the pictures and saying, okay, so this was 230. This was 225. Yeah. This is too. So like the question I have to you is what yeah, we, what's, the what we, what's the point of even like even worrying now? Because we have, we're yeah. at, you're in Ecuador and you're still being tracked, right? If anything, yeah, I'm exactly. like, Everyone. Eric and I would, would move to fucking Ecuador and be like, all right, we're done. Like we're off the grid. We're not being hacked. Mm. They still nah. know what you're doing. Yeah, man. No, there's no, there's no like escaping, you know, the, is the, the whole thing is ridiculous, right? It's like, yeah, obviously, you know, transparency. I, I don't care. Like I'm, I'm a very transparent person. I'm not, I'm not, I got nothing to hide. Um, the problem is these are used for behavioral control. They're not used for right. stopping crimes. The crimes are being redefined constantly and it's thought crime now, right? The UK, the right. UK parliament, uh, UK, right. I saw this article today about, um, about reporting wrong think within the party. I think it's like the Labour Party in the UK talking about we should be reporting each other for private conversations that we had. And if somebody says something in a private conversation, you should report them. If you're uh, if you're sitting at the dinner table and your dad says something racist, you should support him. You can lose social credit points, right? So it's all going towards social credit system. The way they want to push this uh, push this is everything is tracked and traced and quantified by central control systems and what they're going to call artificial intelligence, which is a catchword and a social engineering term for programmed algorithms that human beings program. They're fucking algorithms. These are ones right. and zeros that are programmed. This is not, they're trying to sell you on this. Like this is God, right? AI, it's artificial intelligence. And one day it's going to become self-aware and we're going to put it inside of your bodies and it's going to Only give you the superpowers. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like, yeah, yeah we're going to, it's going to, you're going to live forever. No, no, no. These are AI are, AI is human programmed, um, binary code, algorithm, uh, execution, uh, uh, algorithms like this is this it's not something that is alive so they want to use that ai tracking system to eventually create a social credit system much like it's being beta tested in china with the help of big tech with the help of google who's uh who create the infrastructure for the human extermination systems for the communist chinese government these same big corporations are the ones who want to advertise to us who want to nudge us and use be what they call behavioral nudging and uh, just weaponized anthropology, weaponized sociology in order to get us to behave like these social engineers want. So it's not just about, ah, well, who cares if somebody sees me pee, right? No, it, it's about these people want to give you electroshock therapy remotely using electronic devices if you have the wrong thought. They want to control our vital signs. They want to measure our vital signs constantly, which is what all the temperature check stuff is all about, which is why the mask, getting us to wear a mask all the time, uh, eventually it's going to transition to VR goggles because you're going to, they want us to be walking around with not maybe VR goggles or implants that will allow a digital interface of what they call augmented reality. Well, you'll be able to look over at your brother, Eric, and see that he's a good global citizen because he has a, uh, you know, whatever, a level, level 68 social credit score, which will allow him to eat meat once a year and, um, and, and listen to, as long as he listens to, you know, 80 hours a day, a week of, um, 
of, uh, you know, binaural beats that the government gives him to keep him happy, right? It's like this is, it's going to be behavioral uh, programming. And, and Bill Gates and Microsoft, they even, did you guys see this patent like W0202? Uh, 0666 or whatever is uh, for uh, monitoring. It was cryptocurrency awarded to people using wearable devices that were monitoring their vital signs. And this is a patent from Microsoft that came out back in like April or May, right as the COVID stuff started coming out. So that's the model, right? It's like wearable devices tracked and traced everything and you get social credits according to you biologically responding correctly to the right stimulus. So they'll put a picture of Tristan up. And if you get the right stress response from seeing the bad bald man, then you will get social credits. And you can, you can see just what, a, what a, uh, a Pandora's box we're opening here of training people like dogs, especially it's like Pavlovian response training. It's like Pavlov meets uh isaac asimov that's, is what that's, we're going that's towards. in my book too tristan you know <laughs> the only th you know the, the the thing that we fight our industry on again we own a global car service which again has been yeah. decimated decimated by this virus like they all say self-driving cars are going to change the world we're going to be out of business uber is going to come in and take over the universe uber's technology uber you, you know who uber is right i'm assuming they have yeah, yeah. okay all right we, we so, don't have it here but in the city like in the major cities there is all right so uber's going to come in and they're going to give self-driving cars they're going to put all these drivers out of business the whole nine yards blah blah google had waymo this self-driving car bullshit yeah and it's selling science fiction it's not real and it's it's listen will there be self-driving cars maybe in a feature in a it's car. gonna look more like trade it's gonna look more like trolleys and trams though it's not gonna yeah, be like sure. yeah. self-isolated routes college but, campuses going exactly. down going down Fifth there's Avenue. a circle track just right. like like at disneyland there's a circle track and you have right. a, yes. you're driving the car because it's just you in there and you tell it hey go and stop here but there's no like we're gonna go off road. Well, my <laughs> point is here. My my point is here is that like, all right, Uber got billions in funding because they said self driving cars the future, and they they shammed it. It was a Ponzi scheme. Uber was yeah. They they they, they scammed their investors. So my and they point, scammed the drivers, right? They scammed the drivers to destroy their own jobs every yes. day. Every day, there's a reason why there wasn't an Uber before Uber. There's a reason why right. there were taxis in place because it was actually pretty regulated. So my point is, is that they're going to come out with these self-driving cars. You can be going 80 miles an hour and the car is going to malfunction because it has to yeah. do a reset or it's going to buffer and it can't break because there's a pizza delivery boy. So there's a billion factors when going from point A to point B in a car. Yeah. So if, if they can't figure out self-driving cars, what makes you think that this technology is bulletproof? That they're mm. going to still be able to track us? If that Does that make any sense that like- Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, is this, is this, is this, there's no going back. There's so much human error at every point, every node in the system, every right. neuron in the network has the potential for human error. Right. And it's hubris. I mean, so really it's like this demonic drive to be God. And that's what I really see this as. It's like man wants to, uh, man wants to declare that God is dead and then, then sit upon God's throne and say, no, I'm God now because look at my great intellect. Look at, look at this. I know how everything should be. And I think that's what we're looking at here is actually you're looking at people who believe that they are um, superior to the rest of humanity by nature and virtue of their superior germplasm. These are eugenicists who believe that their multi-generational inbred families are somehow superior because they have this you know, great knowledge that they've passed down to each other. But it's all just 
pathetic manipulation that their great knowledge is. It's just, it's like ritual traumatization of children. And look, look how powerful our children are after we, you know, traumatize them in these rituals and we're going to give them superpowers. Look at, look at my little, my little Tiger Woods. He's such a, look at Michael Jackson. We created a superstar here, but they're just ritually traumatizing these children like monsters. And that's just, those are lower levels. It's not like Joe Jackson is part of the elite, but those ideas that you see that child stars go through that traumatic experience, the traumatic childhood that they go through that gives them this kind of almost demonic power of they usually end up channeling it into like sexuality like with miley cyrus and stuff uh but you know sports stars like tiger woods um pop stars like michael jackson these are children who were raised in like in a way that their parents were consciously trying to do something to create a certain type of being and um these people who have set this up like if you look at the history of the Darwin family and the Wedgwood family and the Huxley families, these were intermarrying with each other and cousins marrying cousins because they believed that they were these superior beings and they have the right because in their worldview of Darwinian evolution, they're at the tip of the sphere, the sphere. and really the only way, their only morality in evolution is power. Right, it's the will to power. It's that Nietzschean concept of the Ubermensch that these people are trying to build through this technology, and it's about eugenics and dysgenics. And there's no, um, th there's no real limits to it. And it's this insane need to control everything. So I think the self-driving cars, AI is going to be your new god. All these things. These are, these are. You're being given a new mythology, and just like in the yes, that's it. Yeah. That's 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 it it's just something new to worship that may not yeah. necessarily happen absolutely do you believe absolutely. in uh, do you believe in evolution because i read no. I, i'm a i'm a big conspiracy theorist i'm a writer and in order to write good stories you kind of have to be a conspiracy theorist and i yeah. love the idea that you know yeah jfk the, the the magic bullet um i love reading about the flat earth do i believe the earth is flat no but like it sounds amazing right it just sounds so cool <laughs> that like we're in a dome the whole nine yards my question yeah. to you is do you do you think that like do you think that all of it's real and they're trying to suppress the information, right? That the conspiracies are like, yeah, or maybe we are living on a flat earth and human evolution never existed. That we were, we were created by a, a, a whole, a, a high almighty spiritual being. And we want to suppress mm -hmm. this information knowing that you have unlimited power that you will. Well, this is really, yeah, this is, this is really important, man. And these are the, these are the questions. I mean, I'm like you, like I, I was, I used to be obsessed with, I used to think I was going to be a writer. I wanted to, uh, you should I, write, which you sh have you, you ever should. written? Yeah. Yeah. I've written, but I like, I've just, I focus on other things for the last like 10 years. Cause I, I thought these were better mediums for reaching more people. Cause no one can read anymore. Um, uh, but I was That's obsessed with true. like PKD, like Philip K. Dick is, was one of my favorite. Yeah, kind of, dude pulp yep. writers <laughs> yeah so yep. Yep. Uh, you know like the, the 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 penultimate truth where everybody's living underground and they believe that there's been this crazy nuclear war and they can't go above the ground but then by the end of the novel you realize that it was all a lie and the elite are actually living above ground and they have these great lies but they're keeping the plebs to just you know work in little ant factories underground yeah these yeah. concepts to me have always fascinated me so nice. yes i think it's really important for us to look at to, you know, have a mental dexterity and fluidity and, and be able to entertain different possibilities. And this is what police investigators are doing. This is what detectives, that's their whole job is to find 
possible narratives that would explain these results and then explore these and, uh, and, and question and ask and through questioning and through uh, the exploration and through uh, the kind of the detective work to figure out what's going on. So I love that. I think it's important. I, I do believe that there is a lot more going on here than uh, we're given on the surface. And I mean, as far as like, is, do I believe in the, the theory of evolution? My personal uh, my personal opinion on this is uh, I think the theory of evolution is a dehumanizing ideology that has been given to us by sick, psychopathic people. Wow. And it's not a scientific theory. When you look at the theory of evolution, it is based on a mountain of unjustifiable, untestable, unscientific assumptions about the past, the future, and what we see now. So I think um, evolution is an unscientific theory. It is a philosophical framework and it is a moral theory and it informs people on how should they should behave in the world and guess what it informs them uh, they should do it informs them it tells us that we're just beasts and we just evolved through random chance in birth this to death birth to exactly death. birth to death yeah. there's nothing beyond you die, that. and you're going to be consumed and you're just going right. to and your your carbon is just going to be consumed by other animals and one day is that modest mouse lyric it's like one day one day, someday you'll die, and every and, and uh, one day, someday you will die, and uh, something will consume your carbon, right? It's like and that. That's the the ideology they give us. You're just physical. You're just a monkey, and there are therefore there are going to be other human monkeys who are more evolved towards the next stage of evolution, right? So there are there are going to be those who are less evolved. And those who are more evolved. So it's essentially an ideology that justifies racism, that justifies the superiority of certain. Darwin, Darwin was races. a racist. Darwin was a racist. His book was called yes. on yes. The title of the book was uh, on the origin of species through natural selection uh, of the preferred races. That was yes. it. The, the words really, "preferred really. races" was taken out of it. Yeah, you're not really. going to see. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He was no. A racist. He, he was a racist, and he didn't like a certain. You know, I don't, I I don't like want to say what it is, but you know, you know what I liken it to with with all of this. I believe in what I see. I don't know what happened a hundred years ago. Frankly, we we could have an interview with you now, and it it can be recorded, and you can have five different opinions on what happened. So let alone everyone's opinions on what they think happened many years ago. David, Aaron? I try not. Hold on. I try not to focus on what I don't know. I focus on exactly what's happening right now. And I've had miracles happen and I've had divine things happen. And I've spoken to my dead father many, many times. And I, so I take those cues on what I should believe in. I don't know whether the earth is round. I don't know whether the earth is flat. All I know is that I'm standing here. It doesn't feel like I'm spinning, but I honestly have no idea. Right. And I want to mention, I want to mention, I mean, basically what Eric said, I lost my train of thought because that's exactly how I feel that we, we really don't know. We have communicated with our father, the idea that um, the big bang, that's what I want to talk about. The big bang explosions, destroy things, explosions. We don't, don't know what life, happened, but we don't, no one knows what happened. that's a creation myth without a creator. The big bang, it's total <laughs> pseudoscience and it's, it, it was invented by a Jesuit um, this was given to you by a, uh, by a Jesuit. So this was created by Jesuit scholar. And it's an idea that was trying to reconcile Darwinian evolution with Genesis. And, uh, and it, it, it's complete hogwash. Like this whole thing of, oh, well, it, we know that 
We know that the Big Bang happened because look at the static when you turn on your TV and the cables plugged out and you see the static. That's the white noise from the beginning of the universe. Nah, it's like, nah. what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what are you, that's the white noise from the beginning of the universe? That All these assumptions are so ridiculous. The, the, the evolution, I, I, I would love to get on a scientist because I don't understand this stuff. If we, if we evolved, if, if species evolved, if animals evolved, wouldn't have we have found a thousand types of alligators and birds oh we should find transitions there's not a True. single transition species for any of these things right. why does a why does a caterpillar evolve to uh, transmute into a butterfly what's the evolution and you could look at anything and it's just know. like oh well the you did that that's an adaptation because of survival he needed to survive so it made that adaptation it's just it's circular reasoning and survival of the fittest right and how do you know who right. the fittest is well the fittest survive you know the fit, it's survival of the fittest, and the fittest are determined by who survives. So if I kill every male and keep around a select harem of the most, uh, as uh, Dr. Strangelove, the most sexually, uh, we must sexually select all of our <laughs> the women. And uh, you know, if we just select all the hottest women, kill all the dudes, then I win evolution. This is the ideology that they're giving. It's, it's, and it's not based on observation. Nobody has ever observed the transmutation of species. They're taking and they're they're taking variation, which nobody, you know, I wouldn't deny that there is variation, and there is variation that happens in concert with environmental change. But sure. you're never going to see a pig evolve into a dog. You're never going to see. Well, we would have found it dogs. already. We would have found. You would have found it already. Just, you, just, exactly. it, just give me proof. Put me in a rocket, which I will never go in into outer space and i want like you know what i mean like like let's let's but that's so far off of what of what's available to any one of us and so like rather than looking at the real life problems of now like we have so many diseases so many chronic diseases that there are many of there, there are many therapies for a lot of these chronic diseases i mean diabetes for instance a low carbohydrate approach has been used to effectively treat type two diabetes really quickly. I mean, you guys have experienced like the amazing oh, yeah. fat loss that you can get just from lifestyle changes, dietary changes. So we have all these issues that we can explore using real legitimate science that doesn't require us to assume that uh, if we measure the carbon 14 in this rock, that it's going to tell us that it's 14 billion years old, like happy birthday, right. happy 14.8 billion years uh, universe. It's been a great ride. It's like, there's so much pseudoscience in this that, uh, uh, it's, it's really, it's disheartening to see how many people just, just blindly fall into this. Like, well, we, we must believe in evolution because the experts do. So, and it's like, well, okay, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up, finish your thought. You know, just saying, well, the, you know, the experts are, are just like us. They're, they're right. human beings who are flawed and not exactly. omnipotent and none of them have observed evolution. So I wanted to touch a little bit on diet here. Um, mm -hmm. Primal Health. Keto, right? What is your yeah. what is your ethos regarding your diet mentality and and whatnot? Good I know question. You're, you're not question. A, you're not a soy boy. I can tell you that much. Uh, tr well, try I try not to be. You know, I might you might catch me on the wrong morning. I might be a little emotional if you catch me on the wrong day. But um, all right. So we started we started Primal Edge Health. The YouTube channel and the website came later. I started the YouTube channel in like 2014. 2000, maybe been the end of 2013, sometime around then, right. seven or so years ago. And I had gotten interested in a ketogenic approach for fat loss. I've been doing intermittent fasting and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it helped me to lose some body fat. Uh, my hormones felt a little better. I just, I enjoyed the feeling of that fasted state. Mm -hmm. So I started exploring that, you know, why, why do I feel better before I have a meal? And then when I have a meal, I'm kind of crashing, feeling a little bit tired. 
Uh, so then that was like a gateway drug to the idea of ketosis, right? So the ketogenic diet kind of came on the scene. It was around before then, but it started getting a little bit of traction and attention when like Dr. Dominic D'Agostino started yeah. publishing some of his research. So I became interested in it. I had to try it, tried out a ketogenic diet and, uh, and I loved it. I, I felt so much better. My, uh, it seemed like my memory functioned uh, better. I, I felt more, I felt less anxious. Not that I felt very anxious before. I just, I just felt more calm. I just felt kind of in a soothed state and it felt like I was in that fasted state all day, which is, right. you know, a lot of people call it a fasting mimicking diet. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Started putting out content, teaching people how to do it. There wasn't a lot of stuff out there on YouTube. There was just, right. uh, the, the only channel I remember was, uh, Stephanie, Stephanie keto person was around at the time. And she was kind of like, uh, the, the lone voice on YouTube talking about keto. And, um, so yeah, we started uh, promoting that and teaching people how to do it and, uh, built the website over the last like six years and ended up experimenting later with a full-on carnivorous diet um there was a lot of people were talking about we got into the idea of health let me let me back it up a little bit too right we got into the idea of low carbohydrate diets and the importance of fats kind of due to necessity because our daughter had dental caries and she was right. a year old and what is that just dental decay like their their teeth kids teeth just started like rotting out. So she was a year old and we, we noticed that her teeth just were like turned into powder. Um, and we were just on an our normal omnivorous diet. We would eat meat, we would eat eggs, but we didn't eat that much meat. We weren't like trying to crush a ton of butter. We weren't trying to give our daughter things like liver and stuff, but her teeth started being affected by dental caries. And when you start to do some research online, most of the dentists will blame the mother and they'll say it's because you're breastfeeding and you're breastfeeding and the child's teeth are, it's because of the milk. Your milk has sugar in it and that's bad and you're bad for breastfeeding, which is insane because right. people have been breastfeeding. Uh, people, people weren't brushing their children's teeth a few hundred years ago. Uh, believe it or not, we didn't have fluoride uh, fortified toothpaste 200 years ago. And a lot of these cultures where people live, they didn't have dental caries. So in trying to fix our daughter's teeth, we came upon Weston A. Price's book back in 2013, the end of 2013. Um, we read Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. We started implementing a lot of these uh, concepts that Weston Price had talked about in his book, and that's the importance of fast-soluble vitamins, the importance of good quality, fresh animal foods, the importance of things like vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin K2. So right. we started giving our daughter cod liver oil, butter, liver. We started making bone broth all the time. We started eating a lot more fatty animal foods. And our, teeth, our daughter's teeth hardened up. Like within a couple wow. months of having liver and lots of grass-fed butter and cod liver oil and just a lot of animal foods, her teeth got like the dentin layer solidified and they, wow. they were just like a little bit brown and now she's got her adult teeth and they're perfectly healthy and no issues at all it's That's crazy amazing. right our, our oh. son our son who never had any dental caries at all he's our second child uh he was raised on you know the same foods that we eat he doesn't do keto or carnivore but they eat lots of animal foods animal fats and then you know fruit honey stuff like that right. and uh, no issues with his teeth so that was the introduction to fat right like it was like okay there's something to this fat and then that opened the door to like, oh, well, what if we just eat a whole bunch of fat <laughs> and we don't eat a lot of carbohydrates? And that was the keto thing. So, you know, it was, it was a crazy time and it freaked us out and uh, it, it was so frightening, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise, this kind of uh, 
the terrible thing that happened to our daughter's teeth. And she hasn't suffered for it at all. She's totally healthy and, uh, and, and we're stoked on that. So yeah, that, that led us into it. So carnivore, are you still carnivore now? I'd say, all right. So this morning, what I had so far, I had some raw milk, which I guess if you're doing like a real, like a strict carnivore diet, it's going to be basically meat and salt for most people, right? People are having an autoimmune condition. You're going to be eating nothing but meat. Uh, we, the way we teach it, we tell people to eat organ meats, eat nose to tail, uh, but it's going to be just meat and like water, basically. That's a fully carnivorous diet. Now I do kind of like a modified diet. I had, I had about two years of full-on carnivorous diet. Um, yeah. It was really beneficial for my gut health. It helped me with a lot of things. But I always recommend people, you know, add in foods here and there and see, see what you can handle and eat the foods right. that you can digest and what you function on best. So right. my diet looks more like a cyclical ketogenic diet where some months I might be full keto and then other months I'm drinking lots of raw milk. I might have honey. We've got bees. So we do beekeeping and uh, we get fresh raw honey here. I get uh, – we've got cows. So I do – a lot of my diet is like fresh raw dairy, right? A lot of right. my diet looks like raw cheese, raw milk some yogurt, honey, and uh, beef, sheep, mutton, like lamb and stuff, and, uh, and fat, and some fruit. I had some bananas this week, and I like papaya. There's some fruits that I'll have, but um, yeah. yeah, it's like 90% animal foods. I was carnivore, for, I was carnivore for four years. Militant. Wow. Militant. Literally, you know, I, I didn't, didn't eat dairy. I was meat and water for four years, and, and it suited yeah. me really nicely um but then i feel like my gut changed and okay. for lack of a better description i started uh having very loose bowels um, all of a sudden like it was even... it was a gradual buildup, but like i stuck it out for a year <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean like oh it must be normal because like the carnivore is the best way of eating and then yeah. finally i'm like you know i'm like what happens if i eat a sweet potato uh -huh. and sure enough like <sighs> You know, I stopped, I, 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 stopped, I, I stopped peeing out of my ass, and then, but like, what, what, what was like, what was stopping me from doing that was because, as someone who was a hundred pounds heavier, I was terrified of gaining weight. And right, I have, you think I have, like I use this to get to lose that weight? If I eat some carbs, I'm just going to balloon up again. I won't be able to handle it. Yep. Did you? I'm was, here to tell you, I lost more weight. There you go. So maybe it, it, it was a process. 2012 for about four years. I was keto, then I, then I was carnivore, and just this year, beginning of this year, I, I basically started eating paleo. I have Brazil nuts, I have, I have sweet potato, I'll eat um, nice. uh, hearts of palm, and it's, it's very obviously very heavy meat-based, um, yeah. but you know, I go to the bathroom fine, and that was the one thing I was looking to quit. Oh, that was the one thing I was looking to yeah. fix, but um, obviously everyone's mileage may vary, yeah. right? You know, I mean, personally, I would... I, it's it's hard to come by raw dairy, which I'm so jealous that that you. Oh, have. You're in New York, right? New York's a pain in the butt for that. Yeah, it's, it's the heavy cream or nothing, and we just eliminated it completely. Are you familiar yeah. with endpoint testing, Tristan? Endpoint allergy mm. testing? No, I'm familiar with a lot of these allergy tests that I just man clients tell me, oh yeah, I took this test and it told me I'm allergic to all these foods, but they're the foods I digest the best. I've seen all these different versions of these food allergy tests, and most of them I, I find. I, I, I'm skeptical of, of most of them, but what is the endpoint test? Eric, endpoint, tell, tell yeah, the story. Endpoint allergy testing is basically my daughter, um, she was born globally apraxic, 
Um, okay. So globally apraxic means that there's like a disconnect between her brain and her mouth and her movements. So everything that she was taught had to be pulled out of her. So, you know, to learn how to crawl, move your knee this way. To learn how to talk, prompting with your with your hand on, on her mouth. Wow. Um, so uh, what else happened is she, she was basically just born compromised. And every day is um, a battle to get her up to speed and she's way better than she was and she's for all intents and purposes a normal 10 year old girl now um wow. you know with with some speech delays but you know it's intense they started therapy. her on keto they started yeah, her on yeah keto. We, no she had a way. yeah wow. she had a thyroid issue so you know started yeah. her on keto the doctor wanted to put her on synthroid right away but i digress so she has a lot of allergies a allergic to dairy eggs peanuts tree nuts seeds oh, mustard yeah. and chickpeas so she's like carniv almost carnivore by necessity, right? Yes. 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 So yeah. we started doing endpoint allergy testing. And endpoint allergy testing is basically we, we go to a naturopath doctor for the for our children and we go to uh, for for us too. So they're going to inject in your arm like right underneath your skin uh, a 10 out of 10 on egg. And you're going to either have a reaction or you won't. Then they're going to do 9 out of 10. 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10, 6 out of 10. And they can go down to microscopic amounts or diluted versions mm -hmm. of milk. And then until you don't react. And then they create a nose spray with all the foods and mold and tree and grass. And then they create a nose spray and you inject it into your nose twice a day. I'm on it. I'm on it as well. Yeah. And it's supposed to desensitize you. Whether okay. or not it works or not, we'll, we're going to find out. Because well, it's Michael, you, you, Michael, you mentioned you had like allergies and asthma as a child. 100%. Right? Like I, what do you notice when you do the the treatments? So I so I hated springs and falls in New York. I hated the yeah. spring. I hated the fall. And every winter, I was just sick. I would get the flu shot like a good little citizen, and yeah. I was getting the flu shot, and I was sick from the minute I get the flu shot to the to by the time I was able to lay out in the sun. And I got the flu this past January, and I got the flu shot. My daughter came home with the flu. She gave it to me, and I vowed to myself, I am never getting the flu shot again, and I'm not. So I started seeing a nature path, and I went through the endpoint allergy testing. I'm now. 10 months in, I'm on vitamin D, I'm on fish oil, I'm, you know, I'm on supplements because the food on Long Island, I'm not going to be able to eat the food that's in Ecuador. I'm sure if I was in Ecuador, I wouldn't be on these supplements I'm on. Mm -hmm. But I was carnivore also with Eric. I have not gotten a sinus infection in 10 months. Granted, I'm not around yeah. as many people, but the environmental no nasal spray, and I tested really high for molds, mycotoxins. Yeah. And oddly enough, so, yeah. so she, re my daughter basically has reacted to almost every single food including beef same same wow. same including including beef including chicken and my theory on it is that it's because of what those animals are eating so the quality of what they they the corn not, and the soy it's, it's not they're obviously issue. you know whatever they're fed that's what my daughter is reacting to because she is allergic to dairy and soy and I also want to say for the record my son too um, so it's a process to to get them healthy again but I just started endpoint allergy testing and I was a three with egg. So according to the chart, I can have eggs, um, you know, two days a week. But when you're okay. on the spray, when you're on the nasal spray, from what I understand, there's no limit to, to what you could eat. But when I eat eggs, I was getting headaches. I was yeah. getting sinus infections. Not really sinus infections, but these killer headaches right over here. So I eliminate yeah. egg. I don't get the headaches anymore. So carnivore helped. Carnivore definitely helped with... You know, I wasn't getting sore throats, but I was still, I still wasn't at my optimal that I felt now mm. that, um, I I'm just like you, man, I'm cyclical. I'm more cyclical, like every other week where like, <laughs> I'll go and I'll eat. I tested off the charts for sugar. You know, yeah. I tested off the charts for uh, coconut. So like there's the keto foods. See, I go on Amazon. I think those keto products are bullshit. 
you know? No, most of them are terrible. The, the coconut based uh, bars, all that yeah. stuff. That shit's not real. So are you raising all you and all these like weird yeah. sugar things? Like yeah. erythritol, I can handle the erythritol. A lot of people handle that all right, but like all you and xylitol, a lot of the xylitol can kill dogs. I mean, a lot of these, <laughs> you gotta be careful. If your dog eats a bunch of xylitol, it can you kill said their you, liver. You said you had allergies. Well, do you find yeah. it better eating the foods you're on? And do you find it better in Ecuador as opposed to LA, uh, California? Always changes. So uh, I, I get seasonal allergies no matter where I'm at. I react to pollens for uh, grass, right? When grasses throw out their seed, I'm just like my face blows up, my no my nose dams up, and I'm mouth breathing for days. Yep. This year, I've actually seen a major shift. I've been doing tons of raw dairy, tons of raw milk. Really? Right? And uh, like I'm drinking, you know, sometimes four liters of raw milk a day, depending on the day. Like I, I try to. There are days when I eat nothing but food that comes from here, which will be, you know, some eggs and dairy. And right. um, we don't we don't slaughter, we don't butcher our own um, beef cattle. Yeah. yeah, we don't butcher our own cattle. We use them for milk. We don't have enough space to grow them for meat. Although I do have, I got, I have a bull that I'm renting land for and pasturing somewhere else. So, um, and it's a pain in the butt to butcher a, a massive animal like that. So we huh. we get our beef from our friend who butchers for us. And um, so, yeah, a lot of the food I eat comes from right here. I find that with keto and carnivore, it seemed to improve my autoimmune type responses to environmental toxins and allergies a bit, but it didn't get rid of, you know, just sensitivities to pollen and stuff like that. That's but, exactly um, right. You may want, listen, I don't know who would, who could do this in Ecuador, but I know by leaps and bounds that this fall, I'm outside, even in the spring when I was taking the spray, I yeah. definitely feel different. Still get the drip, still get the congestion, not what it was. So someone yeah. from, from from an asthma and allergy guy, I haven't taken my asthma spray in, in a long ass time. Mm -hmm. This this endpoint testing, you you know, I got a guy in Long Island. I don't know if he has a counterpart in Ecuador, but something mm -hmm. might you might want to look into, man, because it cool. it, it, it definitely helps. It'll get you to that level that you can tolerate the pollen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the point of endpoint out. Well, I, I feel, I'm feeling what you're saying because it's like this year. What's crazy is this year, and I've you know been in Ecuador ten years. Wow. In two days would be like the day we we landed here ten years ago, and it's getting better every year. But this year seems to be like the least disturbance in the transition periods. Now it's usually we have two seasons. We got a dry season and a rainy season. And the rainy season, everything starts blooming. It's just there's life, there's growth everywhere. It's beautiful. But there's also, you know, there's molds, mildews, fungus, stuff like that you get exposed to. Uh, so in those transition periods in between the seasons, I used to get really intense allergies. But I found that we're transitioning into the wet season right now. Most of the dry season, I was totally fine. In the very beginning of the dry season, my nose got a little dammed up when all this, this grass here, this yaragua grass we have, it throws out like a, a seed that's, almost microscopic, tiny little seed. It's really irritable. Um, I got a little bit of sneezes from that, little sniffles from that for a couple of weeks. But man, this year, I have to say, it's been the best allergy year true, that I've had. Yeah. So thank God, thank God I've, uh, I've, I've, I've been feeling good. Tristan, and my children don't seem to deal with it like I did. So I think I that's want, an interesting. That was, I want to talk to you about homeschooling and that, but I want to ask you a question. Have, did you used to get strep throat as a kid? No, my brother. My brother had tubes in his ears. My sister also had tubes in her ears. But I would get, get infections. I get ear infections, and I would get um, all right sinus. Like I, I would get undiagnosed sinus infections. You know, just like yellow green snot globules, and my Take nose never fully opened. Like my my nasal cavity. My brother had polyps removed, and yeah. Um, so I there's it's like it's not it just doesn't work in there. 
listen, take it for what it's worth. I'm going to send you a video. I, we were seeing, we're seeing a naturopath doctor, um, but mm. he follows this guy, Dr. Jonathan Wright. Dr. Jonathan Wright has a, a clinic in Tahoma, Tacoma, Washington in, in the U S and okay. he says, anyone who's had strep throat and my doctor expounded in saying anyone who's had ear infections and strep throat mm -hmm. has a dairy allergy. Mm. I gave up dairy this year. Now, listen, your your dairy is probably not my dairy, right? Like right uh. now, you know, like I, I won't eat dairy because of, of the, 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 you know, the, the, the drips and the congestion and the sore throats and everything. But you may want to look into that. I'll send you the video, man. But it's on YouTube. Dr. Jonathan For Wright sure. uh, with uh, al dairy allergy and strep throat. Because they yeah. say it's all. It was crazy. I, I did six years, no dairy. Or no, it was like 2013. 2013, end yeah. of 2013 to 14, 15, 16. I did like four years, zero dairy at all. Yeah. And I do better. Like I'm doing way better now with tons of raw dairy. Really? Yeah, it's weird. It's a, I think, you know what's interesting? There's, I think there's a big difference in uh, obviously raw and pasteurized dairy. Right. There, there is a big difference there. Oh, yeah. The bioavailability, right? You've Absolutely. got the, the living enzymes like lactase is in the raw dairy, so you break it down. But did you know that they use eggs and uh, casein as uh, in a lot of um, the vaccinations, right? Like the egg, those are ingredients yeah. in a lot of these vaccinations. Yeah, so very aware of that. What are your thoughts on uh, John as Vonderplanets? I think he had a lot of great ideas. And I know people who knew him and said he was a great guy and he helped a lot of people out. Um, I think he was on to something pretty profound there and important with a focus on animal foods, minimal processing. I think all raw is kind of ridiculous, but hey, you know, if, if people want to do it and they're getting help from it and they're building their health from it, I think it's fantastic. So I, I appreciate, I really appreciate the work he did. He, he met an untimely early end and I know people who know, who knew him and I heard nothing but incredibly, uh, positive things from the people that did know him. So it's, uh. It, yeah. What he says, it just sounds so accurate, right? Like I know Spheridge yeah. is kind of like he's the new Ajanis. Um not quite. I mean, uh, listen, but, he's, yeah. he's pushing he's the, doing some crazy stuff in Romania. I don't know what he's doing over there. Yeah, but like but. the idea that, you know, we you know, there was no such thing as a microwave a few hundred years ago, right? There was no such thing, everyone was just eating raw meat. And like, yeah, but that, that's not true. The, the raw meat thing, it's like we've been using fire and and, and fermentation, right. right? Like we've I think I, I, I don't the, the, I don't like the the primitivism like the idea of like oh we're gonna go back to our primitive like the way that our ancestors lived I think it's that's all based on speculation so I tend to be kind of critical of that but okay. um and but I know I think I think when you look at take for instance Weston A Price's work where he was looking Love at it. healthy Love cultures it. all over they all ate kind of a combination some of them ate raw some of them ate uh they all ate some raw yep. and some minimally cooked and then some cooked and even the Inuit they would boil their meat. They would eat some raw, they eat like liver raw, depending on the context. But it was, I think, um, I think it can have benefits, but like I've done a, I've done a few days where I ate all raw meat and it was kind of enjoyable, but I, man, I like me a, even like, like a, if you have a good thick steak, don't judge me, but I'll, I'll go medium rare on that good thick steak every once in a while. And it's nice. Like I like me a rare steak or blue yeah. rare if it's got a crust, but man, medium rare does something special. Like a roast that's medium rare is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Rib I, I just feel yeah. like there's what I've come to learn is that there is no right answer. And ultimately you do yeah. have to do what's good for you Yeah. because, and, and then above, above all else, no one's going to live forever. It's, right. 
you know, no, no, no one's escaped it yet. Tristan homeschooling. So I am a huge proponent of homeschooling. Our children are home now because like you say, we're good little citizens. (laughs) Mandatory homeschooling. (laughs) Right. Mandatory homeschooling, but I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy they're home. I like that they're home. I like that they're, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Well, we've been, we've been doing it. We're homeschool hipsters. We did it before it was cool, right? Um, no, yeah, <laughs> we were homeschooling when it was only on vinyl. Uh, we, like, I, I don't know, to me, I just, my experience in the school system was, I mean, I referenced it earlier. I just, I saw it as a dehumanizing institution yep. that was completely ridiculous. It's basically internment camps for young people while the parents are both forced to go and work and the women are competing with the men. I'm, I'm really critical of all this. Uh, a lot of the, um, I don't know, the, a lot of modernity I think is completely ridiculous and, and dehumanizing. So I think the school system, as we look at it, as we see it today, it was created as, it was created as a, um, as a utopian revolutionary thing. Like it was always meant to be, this social engineering institution and you can read a lot of the, I mean, John, John Taylor Gatto has a lot of good work on the education system. So I suggest anybody who wants to uh, look at some of the potent critiques on the modern education system, especially in you know, the West, uh, John Taylor Gatto, G-A-T-T-O has some okay. good books and good critiques and lectures on it. Um, it. We didn't want to put our children through that. Uh, when you see the things that they're teaching children now, it's so ridiculous. It's not, it's not about equipping children to thrive and give them useful skills. It's about turning them into, it's, it's about socializing them. It's a socialization process, not in the, like the, uh, not meaning socialize them as in help them to be good social beings and, and have good social relations with those around them. No, it's like making them uniform. It's about standardizing people. And I, I, I'm very critical of it. I think it's a terrible system. The way it works is it's not about really educating. It's about breaking down the psyche of, of these children and turning them into repetitive automatons. So, um, what are they teaching them though? You know, like my, my kids, my kids are learning the same exact thing. I learned my kids are going to the same school system that I went to. And like my son comes to me and my son is like, dad, I would drop school tomorrow. I would come work with you and we would create a podcast or whatever the case. Right. What? He goes, what do I need this for? What do I need the, the division exactly. and the algebra? What's the point of it? What's well, the I mean, you, the, the basic things that you need to learn, things like uh, critical thinking, uh, reading, reading comprehension, grammar, uh, punctuation, uh, basic math. Like These are all things that can be taught in the home with I – mean, it's, it's not that hard to teach your children these basic things. How much of the school day, especially once you get to high school, is just downtime, right? You get 10 minutes, 15 minutes in between each class. You walk into the class. Everybody's chit-chatting for the first 10 minutes uh, until the teacher screams and tells everyone to shut up and, and, and listen. Then there's you know, a 20-minute filler at the beginning of the class. You might do some you know, pre-prepared worksheet or something or uh, you read a poem and analyze it together, and then you're gone to lunch. Right? And then lunch is an hour and you come back. I mean, it's like, man, my high school days were a lot of my, we had open campus so we could just leave school whenever we wanted to. I would just like take a bathroom pass and go to my car and then come back at the end of the period. So it was, it was, there's so much downtime. There's such a waste of energy and resources and time in the school system. And, you know, for me, it just seemed like these are things that we should be teaching our children at home. And I don't want all the extra baggage of like, you're going to teach my children about how many genders there are and, you know, try and gaslight them into thinking that 
you know, we're all, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a boy, my, you know, maybe my daughter's a boy or maybe, you know, maybe little Timmy um, wants to be vegan to save the planet. You know, it's like, you don't need all this social engineering stuff and you don't, there's also the, the thing of like what the other children in this class are teaching your kids. I mean, it's not just your kids are learning terrible things from the state, but I mean, they're thrown in a room with 30 other children whose parents are teaching them God knows what, um, you know, there, there's some little, there's some little turds in some of these classrooms, you know? So what's the future that you want for your kids? Uh, the ability to produce their own food, ability to critically think, the ability to say no. And, um, and the historical, historical literacy, right. And, uh, the really like the most important things to us are, our faith in God and, uh, you know, the strength to, to say no to the nonsense and the bullshit in the world. So we want to teach our children to be, uh, to be truly powerful people and to, uh, we're building little warriors. That's what we're building. We're building little warriors to continue this battle that we're fighting. That's what we want so them for. Did they only know Ecuador. Were they born in, in the U S they're born here. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So this yeah, is their, little... this is their world. Yeah, this is, the, I mean, they, we, my, they were both born in the house we lived in previously. Um, and they're stoked to be in the, pl in the place we're at now where we've got our own animals. You know, we finally got to the, you know, our little homestead here, a little small family farm. And yeah, they, they wake up, they have chores, they take care of the chickens with us. They take care of the Amazing. sheep with us. They help with all the projects we're doing. And they, uh, you know, we're just kind of teaching them responsibility and, uh, and work ethic. Poco a poco, you say here, but it's, um, yeah, it, it's been a process that's both, very rewarding and at times difficult, right? There's like boundaries when we work at home, right? Like we, we were already working at home and then all this COVID stuff happened. It's like, I feel for people that are forced into it. It's, it's not easy to suddenly, suddenly you have to homeschool and one or both parents are working from home. I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is a full on assault on families and the family structure as well as small family businesses, all this COVID lockdown stuff. So I feel for people and, um, but yeah, we, we enjoy it and we've, uh, we've learned a lot over the last eight years of doing this and um, we just take it one step at a time, right? Like we, we uh, take it one day at a time and uh, try to schedule things out as far as, you know, their education and getting the materials together and planning, but it's, uh, it's really rewarding. You ever consider making a YouTube channel that's like focused around your family? Mm, not anymore. No, there's too many weirdos. Yeah, like it's just you know, yeah. we get, you get I get threats all the time and stuff. So do you yeah. really? How do you handle the the, yeah. the tractors? I mean, you 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 tr you piss off a lot of people. I could I could yeah, tell. Yeah. I mean, like, what do you do? They for make alt accounts. Like you never can stop it. You just got to realize it's going to keep coming. And part of it, part of it, I take it in stride. I take it as like you know, these are they're almost like victory landmarks for me. It's like look, you, you, some of these people have lost the plot so much. And when I'm talking about some of these people, I, if you're not familiar with our, my channel, I go really hard against like the vegan movement, this idea of pushing plant-based diets on everybody that's been really popularized recently by the World Economic Forum. The UN is behind all this stuff as well. Uh, I've been pushing back about uh, against this stuff. And, you know, there are a lot of – we get a lot of detractors, a lot of people that just straight up hate me and they'll make t 10 alt accounts to try and DM me hate messages. And it's it, – I don't it's know. I take it as – The amount of time that they would put in to do that is – Pretty but, but also it's an indication of it's like, look, this is your activism, right? These are people who want to destroy my way of life, right? These are people that want to ban animal husbandry, that say I'm a murderer because I might eat some chickens, right? It's like these, these are people who say that eggs 
are murder, but uh, unborn human babies are just clumps of cells to be uh, to be eliminated and eradicated. So it's like I, oh, wow. to me, it's just there's no there's no greater compliment than to be hated by pure evil. So I don't I don't mind that. I don't mind uh, when they spend all their energy and time trying to character assassinate me because it just shows these they've lost the plot. I thought it was about the animals. I thought it was about changing the world and saving the animals. Yet you're so worried about trying to paint me as some, you know, monster, bigot, terrible person. Um, that's fine. I'm, I'm honored. And if they want to spend their time trying to character assassinate, assassinate me rather than, uh, organizing and, and uh, going and terrorizing small family farms, which is what they were doing until the lockdowns happened. I'm fine with that, uh, vegan activists. So I, uh, we're, we'll keep pushing back. I'm not, they're not, it's not like any of these threats are serious. It's just like, you know, you start a family, it's family style channel. It's just about family. And um, I don't know, just, I, there's things that are just for me. There's things that are just for us. Mm-hmm. And I think it can cheapen, like, I don't know, all these IRL vloggers and stuff and people that, they become like a caricature and they lose themselves in, in, in the stuff. So it's like, I just, I do my streams. I like to do the streams. I like the format of doing a live stream and having conversations and doing even open lines and call-ins and um, doing commentary and comedy. I just, I, I like that format better than editing videos also because you can edit a video and spend a lot of time and energy editing the video. And then it just, it gets no traction and no one sees it. Yeah, no, I I'm with you. We, that's why we use Streamyard because like I, I fucked up at the beginning of this, you know, with the wrong intro. So I'm going to have like three seconds of editing to do and then I can upload it. But you know, how often do you, um, how often do you live stream Tristan? Three to four times, sometimes five a week. I mean, just I, I do it depending on how I feel and what else comes up in the schedule. So it's like if I do a live stream, it's the last. It's not like I've got a, oh, I have to stream this day and this day and right. this day. It's like, you know, I've got a thousand other things going on and I try and fit them in when I can. And um, so I, I try to get in three to four, sometimes five a week, depending on the circumstances. Sometimes I get over it and just like take a week off. Um, but yeah, I got, I'm going to do a stream tonight. I think last, one I did was I did Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, or maybe just Monday and Tuesday. So probably four, five this week. That's amazing. Well, man. Tristan, you're certainly living the dream. I mean, I, I, I am jealous, and I don't know if we're capable of escaping the rat race like you did. Hey, man, there we're none of us are going to escape the rat race. Like I still, we still, you know, I still wake up and work my butt off from sun up to sundown. Well, yeah, no one said that you're not working. You know, I know, I know you. I know you're working your ass off, but just like yeah. leaving this circus, leave Long Island, I mean? leaving Long Island, to just you know, I could, yeah, like I said, Long Island and Ecuador is very different. But you know, there's, I think, I think pe- people look and uh, you know, it's, yes, we got a beautiful landscape here. Uh, it's it's real peaceful. It's nice. This is the rural places where people can live. Whether you're in the U.S., South America, wherever you're at, right. there are a lot of beautiful rural places where one one could live. Now I know there, you know, career paths, and you know, if you got a job in the city and that's your income, it's really hard to leave. But yeah. you know, we when we moved here, we didn't have we didn't have a long term plan. We didn't know what we wanted to do. Like we wanted, we got involved. We were doing like import and export stuff with food, and I just we didn't know that that we would end up here long term and. We just dove into it. We we dove head first, and we knew that there was a possibility that we could fail. Um, but sure. yeah, we just I, I think if 
I, I would I would advise people if you if you enjoy what we've done if you if you do admire it if you uh, if you if you want that and you can handle and you can handle um, the possible struggle that it's going to be to get there just just go for it right it's like there's no there's no roadmap like there's you're not going to be a hundred percent sure that you'll be able to make it you're never going to be a hundred percent sure no matter what you do but I think it's just really important to um, I'm all about just diving in. So we, we dove in head first to all this and we just kind of, you know, learning by immersion. So throw yourself in the deep end and see what happens. Tristan, you have a fascinating story. You seriously should write a book. Seriously, really and truly, your, your journey is, and like that's what Eric and I want to learn about was your journey. Really fascinating. Yeah. You're, you're a wealth of knowledge. Um, really, you're an interesting guy. I wish you would come to Long Island so we can go out for lunch one day or go out for dinner. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. If I ever find myself up there, if you ever find yourself down here. <laughs> if we ever get it, listen, yes. If we ever be, if we're in Ecuador, yeah, it's not even a question. You're our first call. Yeah, bring me a copy of that book too. Uh, listen, if uh, email me your address. I'll send you, I've, I've written 20 books. So nice. wow. yeah, but I'll send me your address and I'll send it down to you guys. And my, our mom is a children's author. She wrote 80 yeah. children's books. So how old and, are your kids? Oh, that's so cool. Seven, uh, no, eight and four, eight and four. Oh yeah. That's she, those are the books that she will send you. Books. We're going to send you a care package. We'll, we'll send, send you a care package of books. An Oak and Rose care package. Tristan, thank you. Where can people find you? Please plug away with your channel and all that good stuff. All right, you guys can find me at primaledgehealth.com, uh, YouTube, Primal Edge Health, and then Instagram also, Primal Edge Health. Uh, I'm on Twitter as at Tristan Haggard. And yeah, yeah, that's it. I think um, those, are the, those are the best avenues to find me. I, uh, you can find me on those places before you can only find me on, uh, on OnlyFans. So, uh, no, I'm kidding. You will, you will never find me on OnlyFans, I promise. Tristan in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Tristan, thanks a lot. Everybody, like, subscribe, leave comments, go visit Primal Edge Health. This Tristan, he knows what he's talking about. Really, Tristan, thanks for coming on, man. Grateful. Hang out one hang, second. Yeah, hang out one second. I'm going to play the outro. Bye, everybody. Bye. Ciao.